0: Tonight is uh, part two. We started this message last week, a vision for fullness, and uh, we've been laying foundations for six months on Sunday nights. Basically, we just we're continuing to build foundations and cultivate culture for who IHOP is in Atlanta, who we are as a community of people going after God, and uh, so it's nice. It's it's a it's a it's been a great time of just discovery and and learning in God and and building, and so we're continuing along these along with these themes so we're going to come out of Ephesians 3 let's go ahead and uh, just look at this let's just pray again You've got to have your customary prayer before you preach lord we love you so much i'm so thankful to you everything we are is because of you so lord would you grant wisdom and revelation tonight Would you open your word to us? Would you help me so I can talk clearly? God, I pray that you would teach. You are the great teacher, Spirit of God. Would you teach while I speak? Would you come in this house and encounter our hearts and bring us to a burning passion, fan into flame the gift of God within us? Bring us to a burning passion that causes us to live in an abandoned way for you. Oh, how we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love to be loved by you. We love your presence. Come, do all you want tonight. Author upon our hearts the eternal word of God. Author it upon our hearts in the name of Jesus. Everybody agree with that? Said, amen. Okay, good. Here we go. Ephesians 3. Let's look at this. This is one of the great apostolic prayers. We call them apostolic for no other special reason except for they were the prayers that Paul and the apostles uh, prayed for the church. So when they would write, they would write a prayer many times in their letters, and that's where we get the word apostolic. The apostles did it. Sometimes we we throw words around apostolic, prophetic, and we assume people understand exactly what that means. But one guy defines apostolic one way, the other guy defines it another way, and there's ten different definitions. We simply mean the majority of the time, whenever we throw out the word apostolic, we simply mean as the apostles did it. It's, it's real, real easy. We're not trying to uh, use, a, a, and if we are using it differently, we will define that. But this is an apostolic prayer in the sense it's a prayer that Paul the Apostle prayed. So let's look at this in Ephesians 3 and uh, verse 14. It starts, says, For this reason I bow my knees, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It's an interesting little phrase, isn't it? You'd know something that passes knowledge. Paul's kind of a fun fella. I'm sure he knew when he was writing that that it would just cause everybody just to go, you know, dog at a new sound. Huh? You know, just, I'm going to know something that my brain doesn't understand. Okay, Paul. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I believe that that last little phrase there is the point of the entire five or six verses. Then he ties the idea to exceedingly great and abundant power. He says in verse 20, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, he it says, "He it's, it's, it goes. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can dream by the certain power that's within you." Pretty cool. To him be glory in the church no. by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to just briefly go through this, and then we're going to continue to talk about this idea of fullness, this phrase, filled with the fullness of God. It's an important phrase. It's one of our core messages, the idea of the church actually operating in something called fullness. We believe that we are on a crash course with this verse, especially 19 and 20. Well, it's all of it. We're on a crash course with it because here's why. Every prayer, every biblical prayer is a Holy Spirit breathe prayer and the holy spirit breathe prayer is a guaranteed answered prayer isn't that right so if it's breathed by the spirit of god we it's a guaranteed answered prayer and therefore the prayer doesn't just stay as a prayer it becomes a prophetic promise so we believe as a group of believers as a community of believers that this is not only a great model prayer but is a prophetic promise to the church That there will be a time in which the church begins to operate in something called the fullness of God. And there will be a time when uh, exceedingly abundantly above beyond all we can ask or think will be manifest and demonstrated through the church. So we need not take these things lightly. These are good things. So there's there's a few points moving through this. And I just want to, I'm just going to blow through it. I blew through it last week, but I'll do it again. Because this is a powerful, power-packed prayer. It says says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. What he's saying is this. He goes, I'm praying to God that God would pull something out of the massive abundance of what he has. Riches of his glory. What is he saying? He goes, I'm going to ask for something in a minute, but I want you to know there's way more than enough. in God to answer what I'm about to ask for. I think Paul knew he was about to go audacious. He was about to go out there with something. He goes, there's riches of glory in God and that he would grant you according to it. He goes, there's more than enough of God to answer this prayer that I'm about to pray. He goes, that he would grant you according to the riches of of his glory that you'd be strengthened with might. It's It's sort of a first point in the prayer. He goes, I want there to be invigoration In your heart. That's strengthened. It it means invigorated. He goes, I'm praying that your, your hearts would come alive, that you would explode with life, that you would resound with the life of God, that there'd be supernatural invigoration from the very riches of who God is, that He would impart into you life. Isn't it interesting? I believe God wants His church to be a church full of life full of abundance, full of joy, resounding with something from heaven that when the world looks at us, they say, amazing. What is that? We go, it's God. It's filling me. It's overflowing from me. I'm I'm invigorated. I'm strengthened within. Come on now, (laughs) somebody. That'll make me work for the amens tonight. He goes, I want you to be strengthened. And he goes, invigorated in the heart invigorated, alive, and soaring with power. That word might is the same word that we use as power. It's dunamis. It means mighty acts, miracles, signs, and wonders. He goes, I want there to be an invigoration and a lifting, a buoyancy and a life in your heart. He goes, and a manifestation of power upon you. He's giving us his theology of what it means to be a Christian. Alive in spirit, manifesting the kingdom. Christianity is not just about quitting your cussing and stopping going to R-rated movies. You know, we set the bar down here. It's like if you can get your morality sort of in check that, you know, it's not outlandish for the culture, you're really on fire now. And We set the bar so low that we have this, you know, if you'll just sort of be a good person and you don't cheat on your taxes and you don't cheat on your wife, you're on fire, brother. Paul goes, I want you to be filled with power. Alive in heart, manifesting the kingdom. He goes, but this is only point one. <laughs> I'm gonna pray for something that's really crazy in a second. But he goes, I'm just you know hoping that you get to the introduction. And it just reminds me in China, the fired up Christian is the guy that's training to be martyred. They have Bible schools. This is real reality right now. In China, they have Bible schools, and they're teaching the missionaries how to jump out of second-story windows without breaking their ankles. Now, why would you have to jump out? Because the police are chasing you because you're preaching the gospel, and you're being persecuted. So they teach them in the Bible school how to wear handcuffs for three and four days without cutting their wrists and how to jump out the window without breaking the ankles. We've got to face the fact we live in a mutation. I'm real happy tonight, so I just may just say things that I may pay for later, but we live in a Western mutation of what it means to be, live as a Christian. It's a Western mutation off the authentic apostolic Christianity that the disciples lived in the first century. If, if I point you to the reality of the way they lived in the scripture, you would say, well, that was back then and that was a different time. That was authentic New Testament Christianity. They had shadows healing the sick. They had the guy that comes to church and lies falling down dead. They, you know, just sovereignly, the guy that gets up and says he's God gets eat, dies and gets eaten with worms, New Testament. It's something powerful abo- upon them. They loved each other and had all things in common. I mean, just a totally different flow. And some of it was necessitated because of persecution of the day. Well, in China, they're living that way right now, and their training schools are, this is so hilarious to me, because we have nothing that's even close. But their training schools right now, there's a whole movement. It's called Back to Jerusalem. They're raising up 100,000 people who will be missionaries that will leave China, go into the 1040 window, and their goal is to to convert the Muslims and the Buddhists, and they're all right with being martyred. It's just a part of it. And their goal is to bring revival through the 1040 window and land in Jerusalem with power, signs, and wonders and an outbreak of the kingdom of God. Unto getting Jesus back to the planet. And I don't mean to be snotty or nothing, but our don't cuss, don't cheat on your taxes version is just, we need a little bit more than that. <laughs> Can you somebody say yes or ouch or something? Please, Thank. Okay. <sighs> I mean, I'm right there. I'm not pointing a finger. I mean, I'm right in there going, dear God, I need to get going with this thing. There's, see, there's, there's, God's moving all over the planet. I need to get in on it. How do I get in? That's what I think. How do I, here's, here's my mentality. How do I cut back my life, trim off the stuff I don't need? How do I trim the thing narrow and lean and mean so I can go into God in the deepest measure so I can get the greatest resonance of the power and authority of the kingdom of God upon my life? Because I've got one chance at this deal. I got 70 years, maybe 80 if by reason of strength. And, and I got one chance to go deep on this side with God, to get a real, uh, authentic reality of God on my life in this age. He goes, it's what Paul wrote. He goes, I want you to be invigorated with power. That's the way I want to live. I want to live invigorated with power. Not my own zeal, not the flesh, something real, something raw from heaven that dictates the daily activity of all of my life. An invigoration with Might. His words, see, when we just strengthen, we just read it quickly. He goes, strengthen with might. No, that's not what he means. He goes, a lifestyle of kingdom manifestation all day, every day. He goes, I'm praying for you. That the door of supernatural existence in God is, is something you'd walk through on a daily basis. That's what he's saying. And he gives us the key. Oh, it, it, it gets worse. I, I can't preach on this next phrase. He goes, that you would walk, he goes, uh, with Christ." Uh, strength with might and your inner vice, your inner, inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's a, that is a series. He goes, I'm asking that you would get a reality of the indwelling power and life of Messiah within you. Because you tap it by faith. Colossians 1 is a great chapter if you want to cross reference and study that. We'll move on. I mean, indwelling Messiah. <laughs> okay, we don't have we don't have. I mean, we have so little on that. We've got to just lean into what does that mean? He lives in here. Okay, stop. All right. 18. Oh, no. That you may be rooted and grounded in love. 17 at the end. He goes, I want your life. He goes, I'm going to give you the key to the door. The door to a life invigorated with might and power. He goes, I'll give you the key to it. Be rooted and grounded in love. Never did I understand that the door to the supernatural and the door to uh, the the manifestation of power and the invigoration of my heart, I never understood that it was living my life with a foundation of the reality of the love of God for real. Understanding is burning passionate emotions for me and manifesting those and, and giving those to others. It's a cycle of love. He puts us on. He captures us with the reality of the way He feels for us. God is burning an emotion for us. He's, he's passionate and yearning and deeply desirous of us. He loves us. We are the target of his desire, the object of his affection. It'll just make you happy when you know it. And you just come up and he goes, that's how your heart gets invigorated. That's how you operate in power. When, you're, when you have a revelation, a rooting and grounding in this thing that, that God loves you passionately and deeply and burns for you it's the door to the supernatural i never got it i thought it was shouting in tongues until i fell down then we'll get supernatural stuff god's so kind he goes all right little fella you went hard we'll give you a little something you know, we get a little tingle, or we get a little, a little flicker. You know, we go, and here's what we do in the West: we got our bick and we're flicking as hard as we can. We get, a, we get a little bit of a spark, and we go revival. God goes, actually, I was just being faithful because you shouted and fell down so much, you wore yourself out on prayer, and so I thought I'd just give you a little something just to sustain you and draw you to something more. You're okay, little buddy. Keep going. You'll tap it somehow, some way. Don't worry. You'll find me. He goes, did you know I love you? He goes, I know that. I learned that in a song. He goes, no, you didn't get it. I love you. He goes, I know. Jesus loves you. He goes, no, I am uncreated. You've nothing to offer. But all of my emotions are, they peak when I consider you. Because the thing that moves me the most is when you turn your face and your eyes and you gaze upon me, just even for an Instantly, he goes, It moves me the most. The frame of God is most affected by human adoration. His heart is most affected when you will turn your gaze to Him. He says it this way He goes, One glance of your eye has overcome me. This is a good life. (laughs) He goes, by the way, I love you. Huh? Wait a minute. Wait, you love the way I, you love when I give you affection, but whoa, whoa, whoa. You're turning it around and you're aiming it back at me? The God who is love, who's, he he is love. It's not the greatest thing he does. I almost said it the wrong way. It's not the best thing he does. It's all that he is. He is the God who is fire. He's a consuming fire of love. All of that energy and all of that emotion, all that yearning and churning desire that's resident within love is aimed at your heart. It's focused upon you. Boy, that changes that little song a little bit, doesn't it? It's like it's not. It's no longer Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Woo! This I know. That's how your heart gets invigorated. There'd be a rooting and grounding in love. He goes, that you comprehend, and we'll go on. Four dimensions, fully natural, fully supernatural. That you comprehend, have it imparted to you in the greatest measure attainable, the revelation of of my love for you. That's what he's praying, that God's love for you. And it's it's four dimensions. Why does Paul give us four dimensions? Because he's trying to to get it across to us that it's fully supernatural natural, fully spiritual, and fully natural. That there's a fusion of the reality that the God who is spirit is going to fuse spirit with natural. It's in, the, in, it's in this man called Jesus. He's the God man. His four dimensions of love transcends the spirit and the natural. And it, and it resides in him and in you. It's too much Okay. He goes, and then that you'd know it. (laughs) He goes, that you'd be grounded in it, that you'd apprehend, and it'd be imparted to you, and that you'd taste it. That word know is experiential knowledge. He goes, not enough that you apprehend it with your mind and even with your heart at some level. He goes, not enough that you stand firm on being the person that's loving. He goes, I want you to taste and see. What good is love if it's a theory? What good is the love of God to your heart if it's a theory? If it's something you're supposed to faith out without any sense of it. I mean, I'm not saying that when you don't feel it, you just act like the devil. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying he gives He, he is love because he wants us to sense it. He is the one that gives love and he gives it. That's better. He gives it because he wants us to sense it, to know it. That word is the same word that Mary uses. when she says, how can it be that I'm with child? I've never known a, a man. God goes, I want you to know, experience at the deepest human level possible with feelings and flavors and smells and sights and sounds. The way I feel about you. I want you to know love. Know the love of my son. Isn't this a great prayer? And then in our version, we have a semicolon and it says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. He goes, I want to release into your being all that I am in every measure and every attribute. He goes, the doorway to that is knowing me privately and intimately. And then I will flood your entire being with all that i am i want to live a life filled with the fullness of God on this side I don't want to say not count on the on the next in the next age That's great but I'm here right now and this is when I want it <laughs> you know, i'm not sitting around and tap my foot and go I want it now what's wrong I mean, I mean I do want it now though for real I don't have a bad attitude about it but i want it now not like a brat not you know what i'm, I'm saying i'm In kindness and boldness, I want it now, Lord. For real. I don't want someone else's story of how they sense God in fullness. I don't want, I, I appreciate all of our great brothers and sisters that have had amazing encounters with God, but I'm just about over it. I don't want to read another biography about the, you know, the guy or the gal that, whatever, they got taken here and they saw this and thus. I want to go. I want to be with Him. I want the fullness in me. Not that it's about a revelation, but it's about something of Him that that possesses me. That possesses me. We fill stadiums because of other people that have had encounters. To hear about their encounter and get the the residual off of their encounter. I don't want to live like that anymore. I'm not saying I'm not going to go to the meeting. I'm just saying, I want it for me. Huh. It's got a little groan in there. I believe that the semicolon, he goes, that you. I believe it's a so that. He goes. All these things I've just introduced to you about love—the reality of this churning, burning love for you—and that you're the object of it. He goes that you would know it, that you'd be founded on it, that you would that you would experience it. He goes. I'm I'm telling you all of that about love, so that you can enter into this thing called fullness and at the greatest capacity possible. You're able to receive all that is available of God in multiple multiple dimensions and multiple attributes. Last week we. We touched the first one. I've got. A, I've got. I think it was a fourfold expression last week. Now it's a fivefold expression of fullness. God even added another one. <laughs> These are not exhaustive. These are the expressions of fullness and not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination. I thought of another one this week. Last week we talked about living what the fullness of God means. Number one, we talked about it's living in a reality of fullness of love. It's two twofold. It's it's a fullness of experience that you're living alive, experiencing love, but it's, a, it's also a fullness of expression that you're manifesting it where you go. It's living without fear in any measure. Can you imagine what that would be like, beloved? No fear in your life whatsoever. You're not worried about what another thinks, not in a, not in a haughty, cocky way, but in just a confident, loving, full of God way. It's like, they think you're a dork. Oh, that's all right. They're entitled to their opinion. And you're confident and alive. Fullness of love, fullness of pleasure. What is it like, what is it like to be fully loved by the one who is love itself? What is that experience to the human frame? Nothing short of completely rapturous. There's there's no other, uh, there's no other pleasure word that can that could be superlative to what it's like to experience the love from the one who is love itself and you experience it not in a measure but in fullness i want that set set my target set my just go there so a couple others let's just move through these i want to actually talk about moses in a minute <laughs> number 2 Fullness, number one is fullness of love. Number two, fullness of beauty. Fullness of beauty. That sounds a little strange, maybe. It's again twofold it's about what you behold and what you manifest. I'm convinced that the fully glorified and ready bride who is. Experiencing a reality and a revelation of the beauty of the Lord and manifesting it, not of her own doing, but of impartation from heaven into the world is God's, it is God's uh, strategy for global global evangelization at the end of the age. A fully glorified and ready bride who is intoxicated and fascinated with the beauty of who he is unto a full manifestation of it into the earth. It's the Isaiah 60, it says, kings and the nations will be drawn to the brightness of your rising, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now consider that, presidents of countries, rulers of countries, and entire nations themselves will be drawn in that day to the people of God because of... Of the overflowing amount of beauty, glory, that's coming off of the people of God. Well, for it to come off of them, they've got to engage in the reality of what it is. I want to say this to you. The most captivating thing to your heart isn't the special effects that Hollywood produces. The most amazing and breathtaking thing to your frame and to your emotions is not the Grand Canyon or any one of the seven wonders of the world. The most breathtaking thing to your uh, natural frame and to your spirit is a revelation of the beauty of what He looks like. Revelations 4 gives us an introduction into what the throne room of God looks like. And it's alive, beloved. It's alive with sound and color and smell. Fragrance and beauty. And it emanates, it doesn't emanate from the atmosphere around the throne. It emanates from the throne. And upon the throne is this one, this eternal God. The uncreated God is the most beautiful thing to behold under all creation. It's glowing, brilliant. Like like, like a sardius in a jasper radiant. I believe David had an encounter, the beauty of the Lord. He discusses the glorious brilliance of the throne. David, I believe on the backside of the desert somewhere with sheep. I just, just, I'm filling in the blanks. I'm speaking between the lines. He discusses the radiant glory of God in the Psalms. And then he says this in Psalm 27. He says, one thing I want to gaze on your beauty. Weird. He could have said, one thing, I want to conquer all the nations of the earth. One thing, I want money and concubines without measure. He goes, one thing I want to look at you. You're beautiful. I believe even, I believe on the backside of the desert, somewhere there's some smelly sheep. He's out there one night, poof, something opens. He has an encounter with a thrall. He begins to see the glory of God lighting up the night sky, the brilliant of color. He hears the sounds, thunder, the lightning clashing, exploding from the throne. Not thunder and lightning like we understand that erupts from a natural pressure system, but thunder and lightning with supernatural uh, origin that emanates from the very being of of the God who's upon the throne, of our God. He sees it and he's struck. He's he's wrecked for the rest of his life. He goes, All I want is this. I want to look at you. David, the king, the prophet, a man after God's own heart. Could have had anything in his day. He goes, I want none of it. I want to gaze on your beauty. You're amazing. You're amazing. Fullness of beauty, what does that mean? That means that revealed to your heart and to your eyes, revealed to your mind and to your eyes, you have a revelation of how amazing he is. Beautiful. Not just, wow, you're good. You're stunning. You're shocking me. Fullness of beauty. Filled with the fullness of God means filled with the fullness of what he is. He is beautiful, beloved. He's beautiful. Far more beautiful than anything we could ever imagine. Listen to me. Isaiah 4 says this, verse 2. It says, in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. He's talking about a time to come. And he's promising this. He uses this phrase, the branch of the Lord, to describe Jesus in his humanity. But it's the Jesus that John saw in Revelation 1. He said, I turned and I saw one amidst the, the, the golden lampstands. His face was shining like the sun in its strength. His eyes were burning with fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, glowing in the furnace. He said, I fell at his feet as a dead man came and touched me. See, I believe there's a, there's a global revelation coming to the, the people of God of how beautiful Jesus is. And when you get captivated at the heart level with the reality of the beauty of God, it will absolutely, it will, it will absolutely overcome your desire. And you will willingly turn loose of every passion that you have that's taking his place. Why do we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him? So that our hearts can come alive with the reality, the beauty of this one. I want to know your beauty, God. Captivate an entire generation, we pray. Captivate all the 20-year-olds, God. Captivate everybody in a 50-mile radius. What are we saying? Reveal the beauty of of your son, let it be Isaiah four two. Let it be true today. Let the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious. Let it be radiant. Let it be stunning to my heart. I want to know Him. More. When you touch it, you begin to resonate with it. You touch it, and it's imparted in a measure to you, and you resonate it from your life. It's the person that we meet, we go. Man, their face—it's like they're—they're they're glowing. We get it in a measure. He goes, "I want to give it to you in fullness." He goes, "I want to give you the Moses version." Moses goes, "How do we go up?" Oh, I'm getting over to Moses. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. How do we go up from here? He goes, "I don't want to go if your presence doesn't come with me." He goes, "him." past that. You say you know me, but I don't know you. I want to know you. And God goes, no problem. I'm going to come with you, Moses. You desire me. I desire you. And then Moses goes, okay, good. One more thing. Show me your glory. I want to see it all. Moses says, please. That's how I'm like, please. Please show me your glory. God goes, you know what, Moses? If I do that, I'll kill you. He goes, but I'll give you the level right underneath death. I'll reveal as much of myself to you without killing you as possible. I'll give you all the beauty that you can handle without it destroying your frame. As you can see, my backside. I, the commentary is hilarious. <laughs> I'll put you in the rock. You're in the cave. you gonna see me pass by. You won't see my face. You'll die if you see that. I'll give you the, the next level, Moses. You can see my backside. This is awesome. This is awesome. <sighs> Number three. Fullness of revelation. Here's what I say. I just, I'll just, just read it. Complete, intimate disclosure of all that He is. Complete, intimate disclosure of all that He is. Can you imagine what it would be like trying to deal with inside of our little pea brain the full-on revelation of all that God is? the uncreated God, totally disclosed to us? <laughs> you, you, you would live a life with every particle of your being buzzing with a personal reality and revelation of his nearness at all times. Wouldn't you love that at the 5 o'clock traffic on Friday on 285? And more, I mean, in every part of your life. Resonating, I mean, buzzing with with life in the revelation of Him all day, every day. Fullness. It means unveiling the mysteries to your heart. It means imparting revelation until they become incarnate within your being. Fullness of revelation. Fullness of revelation. I, I mean, when the message goes, it it quits being here and it comes here in your heart and it, it erupts in your entire being and you become. The message you become the revelation. It's. It, I'm talking about invigorating your heart at the greatest possible measure possible. I mean, it's exploding within your entire being, and and from the core of your spirit, it's emanating through your entire flow. All of your body is flowing with life from revelation of Him. The mysteries of God are unveiled. Jesus, Nora. It means fullness of power. It means fullness of authority. Those are four and five. I'm skipping. I want to talk about Moses for a minute. What I realized when I was beginning to deal with these thoughts—maybe I'll come back to power and authority next week—but what I began to deal, realize when I began to deal with these thoughts was our capacity to receive must be expanded. If we are to apprehend in our being fullness, our capacity must be expanded to be able to receive fullness. Now, our capacity is clearly uh, enlarged when we begin to touch love, and that's what Paul was prophesying and praying upon us that he goes, if you'll be grounded in love, if you'll be rooted in love, if you'll know love, and if you'll experience love, then you'll be filled with the fullness of God. So love expands the heart. I started thinking through the the reality of people in in the Bible, and Moses is just, he's right there. I mean, he's receiving the greatest measure possible that the human frame can take. I mean, think about it. He's right below death in his revelation of God. It almost kills him. <laughs> like, what was it, with Moses, Lord? T- talk to me. But what I realized was this. When Moses, he, now think about this. When Moses comes down from, from the mountain and his face is glowing, okay, it's his second 40-day trip up the mountain. Study it out and you'll find that out. It's the, the whole thing starts uh, Exodus around chapter 19, and this progression moves all the way up through Exodus around 40. But in Exodus 33 and 34, it's his second trip up, and he goes 40 days and 40 nights without food or water, supernaturally sustained. And when he comes off the mountain, his face is shining like a spotlight. Now consider it. We kind of always, you know, we, we think of the person's kind of got like a nice look and maybe a little bit of just like a glow. In the noonday sun, and I don't know if you've ever been to Israel. How many of you have ever been to Israel? So several of you know this. My wife's been there. She explained it to me. She says, the noonday sun at Israel, is it's just bright. Just something about the lay of the land. It just, it's just so bright. She said, I had to wear, I had to wear like sunglasses like the entire time I was there. It was just so bright. I said, wow. Well, in the noonday sun in Israel, Moses comes off the mountain, and his face is so bright that they can't even look at him. Brighter than the sun is what's coming off of his face. Veil it, Moses. We can't stand to look at you. Well, the, the, the manifestation that came off of him of glory, the, the, the way that that happened publicly was because he wanted something so bad, privately that's beloved there it is come on we got to get that one here's what we try to do we try to manipulate God for a public something without the personal ache it was Moses personal desire and longing it was Moses personal ache he said I want you, I want to know you, I don't want to go anywhere without you. You can read it in Exodus 33. He goes, I don't want to go up from here without your presence. He goes, and you say you know me, but I don't know you. I want to know you. I want to know that I've got your grace. He goes, and show me all that you are. Show me your glory something aching within the heart of Moses. Now I want you to consider, this is Exodus 33. This is past the burning bush. This is past the ten plagues raining down with power and judging the Egyptians. This is past the Red Sea splitting and swallowing up the Egyptian armies. And Moses is saying this, he goes, I've seen your power, I've seen your acts. But he actually says it there in Exodus 33, he goes, I want to know your ways. He goes, I I don't care about the big meetings and the mighty manifestations in the public. I don't care about judging a nation with my voice. He goes, I want you. The deepest measure I can have you. Show me who you are. Let me see your glory. Then we have the dialogue and God says, you can't see me live. And I believe it was. I'll give you the next best thing. I'll give you all that your frame can stomach. But the power of Moses' leadership is this. Moses was leading from a place of certain certain personal desire. He was aching for something real in God. Personally, it wasn't the big stadium crusade that he even cared about. You understand what I'm saying? He just think about it, the most powerful nation on the earth. He judges Pharaoh and, and prophesies him right out of office with every kind of sign and wonder you'd want. Ten plagues rain down and judge everyone until at the at Moses' voice, all the firstborn amongst the amongst the land die. That's authority. That's power. He goes, "I want none of it. I want you." I just want you And the amazing thing about Moses' capacity to receive, he had an expanded, I believe, an expanded capacity to receive. It was because he longed for something personally. He ached for an encounter personally. He touched all those mighty, powerful things publicly, but he wanted something real within him. He wanted God for real. He didn't just want the big show. He wanted a real encounter. And not a one night stand. He wanted a residual with God. That was the key. There was something within him calling unto the deep part of God. Just stand. Jesus. Jesus. I want to speak a word to you. I want to speak a word to you. So what I want to tell you, just, just bring this music just back down just a sec. Just, you can keep playing. Just Hear me in sobriety, beloved, hear me. Many of us, here's what we've done. In our early days, we wanted something so dramatic and so real, and we ber- believed for a history-making something with God. We believed for the colossal encounter when we were young. We got going and got doing Christianity. We began to press against all sorts of barriers. One of the biggies is that it doesn't seem like anyone else is running that way that hard. It doesn't seem necessary in our our Western culture. What we've done is we've given up on being idealistic. We become practical, given up on being idealistic, believing for the colossal with God. We become very practical. So I just, you know, if I if I don't cuss and I don't have any overt sin, pretty good guy. It's not enough. I want His love so revealed to my heart. That nothing else matters. Leonard Ravenhill said it this way. He said, The man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. I want life in that. I want the life that's in that. I'm speaking to you right now because I want to call some of you who have shelved your dream for the history making something with God you've shelved it and you've traded it off for something more realistic some of you it's been within the last couple of years you moved into your 20s and you lost your your whatever your silliness let's call it from being 18 you moved into your 20s and 25 and all of a sudden you know it's like you know I got to get a life I've got to be normal you know I may be a fool but I will be a fool pursuing God until the day I die the masses may stand by and mock and say oh there's that freak he thinks he's gonna get something in God and I, man I'm for real I may die with that whatever at least man I, I tell you what I'd rather live wounded like this going after the dream than settling for something false I want to call you to dream again. I want to call you to dream again. To believe again. We've got to believe, beloved. We've got to believe there's more for us than just being an average, decent person. We've got to believe there's more of God than what we're touching. We've got to believe. I want to call you for that I want to invite you if you'd say that's me I've shelved my dreams I shelved my my vision my desire I shelved it I put it on the shelf and I settled but I want God to to awaken desire and longing in me again for something so far beyond I want to quit being practical and I want to pursue for real I want to invite you to come I want to invite you to come to the altar and just begin to pray and seek God it's hard to admit our pride bangs against it for real we've got to waken up that there's something more in God that we can touch not a one night stand but a lifetime existence with him Maybe you just say this. Another call. Maybe you just say this. I need to know love like what you're talking about for real. I need it alive and awakened within me. I need invigoration in my spirit from the love of God. I want to know His love like that for real. I want to invite you to come. Step out from where you're standing and come. We want to pray for you. Maybe you'd say this. I don't know. I've never considered fullness the way you're describing. But I want to to set myself on a lifelong journey to encounter fullness. No matter what it takes. I want to invite you to come. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to come in this altar. Consume. Consume us. Jesus, come. Come. Holy Spirit, would you come? Draw us into abandonment. Wipe away the cobwebs from dreams that have laid dusty and dormant for years. To wipe away the cobwebs, to shine them in your grace. To you release them again back into our hands. I just see the Lord. Just see him in my spirit, just taking your dream taking the desire taking the hunger you had in a year gone by and he's 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 wiping it off he's dusting it off he's handing it back to you he's giving you an invitation in grace to believe again for something so dynamic something between you and him so intimate so deep so personal and so real he's wanting to set you again on a lifelong quest Release it, God, in Jesus' name. Release grace. Release the power to pursue and the desire again. Give a rebirth of hunger. Furnish the desire. Fan it into longing. Draw it into aching. And release the groan.